22, please. I want to just read a little bit. I'm beginning in verse 1. For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and at all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. And you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who has raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat, or in drink, or in respect of a holy day, or the new moon, or the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding those things which he had not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of God. Wherefore, if he be dead with Christ, from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a sure wisdom in will, worship, and humility, and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh, Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight in Jesus' precious name. And Lord, if I've ever realized it before, I realize it now more than ever, that I can never say anything spiritually that will be everlasting in myself. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance to speak to our hearts tonight. Lord, I ask you to speak to me first. 
and then speak to everyone here from thy word. We need your talking to us daily that we might be corrected in our manner of living. Bless us, we pray now, in Jesus' name. Amen. I know that the Bible says we're saved by the grace of God. Amen. And I know that we don't all live perfect. But thanks God we've been forgiven our sins and saved by God's grace. Now two main things are taught in this chapter of Colossians. Number one, Paul teaches that Christ is the answer of philosophy. In verses 1 through verse 15, talks about it. Uh, but if you'll notice, please, in uh, the... I forgot where it said. I just lost it. Uh, back up one. In verse 8, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. So Christ is the answer to philosophy. Number two, Paul teaches that Christ is the answer to ritual. And he begins in verse 16 and goes on and talks about rituals that people try to put upon us. The answer to philosophy has to do with the head. The answer to ritual has to do with the heart. Real Christianity is not philosophy. But real Christianity is Christ in you. Now, real Christianity is not ritual also. Now, verses 1 through 3, Paul prays in verse 2 <coughs> that their hearts might be comforted. Heart here is not just the inner organ, that pumping thing in our chest. Heart indicates the entire inner man. Paul prays that their whole person might be comforted. And in verse 2, being knit together in love means compacted in love. Love draws Christians together. And I, I believe this 100%. I, I pray to God that I will never tell any of you or any other Christian that I love you and don't mean it. I mean it with my heart. If I tell you I love you in the Lord, brother, I love you in the Lord. Amen? Now, love overlooks a lot of things. We, we watch one another too closely sometimes, I think, in daily living, and we can pick one another apart. But real love overlooks a lot of things. Now, I got three children, three uh, uh, my own children. My, uh, what I mean by that, I got a bunch of grandkids, but they ain't mine. They belong to somebody else. I got, I got three of my own. I got a son and two daughters. And if there's one thing that I have to, I had to learn very early in raising those three children, that none of the three is alike. They're all different. They all have different personalities. Does that mean I love one more than the other? Absolutely not. You can ask any of my three kids right now, and they'll tell you, Daddy don't love me more than he loves the other two. And I mean that from my heart. And why? Because I've learned to overlook some things in their life. And uh, sometimes uh, we pick at one another, we pick out things of one another, and what, what Paul is trying to teach us here is to love one another completely in the Lord. Love one another. Being knit together in love. Love draws Christians close together. And I believe with all my soul 
that me and my wife has tried to teach our kids to love in the family. To love one another in the family. And I think that that's why our family is close like it is, because the love of the family is there. And it draws us together. Now, verse 2, Under all riches are the full assurance of understanding. Full assurance is a, in a to a believer in Christ means everything. Amen. Uh, you'll never enjoy all the riches of God our Father until you know and are assured of your own salvation. Verse 2 says, To the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Now, what is the mystery of God? The mystery of God in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13 tells us it's the church. It's the church. The body of believers. That's a mystery. It's a mystery to me. Do you ever look out? I, I, I know you don't, but as a pastor, you look out in the congregation. You know, that's a thrill sometimes to look out a congregation and look at all walks of life represented in one body. Just all kind of people. I mean, uh, you can bring color into it. You can bring jobs into it. You can bring ways of life into it. There's all walks of life in the body of the church. That's a mystery. You know why? Because usually when you get all that bunch together, they're fussing and fighting. But in Christ Jesus, we're all supposed to come together. Amen? And uh, I, I laughed this morning. The man told me, and I was talking to him after, he said, I'm a Catholic. I said, that's all right. That's all right. Uh, what makes a difference is what the Bible says. Amen. And I'm not going to get in a fuss and a fight with him saying he's a Catholic and I'm a Baptist. Although I'm right and he's wrong. <laughs> no, I ain't going to say that. But, but uh, I just want, it, I want him to understand uh, that uh, that's not going to keep me from loving him. Amen. And I'm not going to get in an argument with him. I just want him to come to church because I know this. If he'll keep coming, I don't care who it is. What problem you got? If you keep coming, sit on the preaching of the Word of God, God will straighten it out. Got to get it all straightened out. First thing He says is make sure you say. Then the second thing He says, I acknowledge the mystery of the church. Acknowledge that. Don't try to make everybody fit in your little square. Amen. We're all in the same boat. We're sinners saved by the grace of God. And we're in the church of God, and we're serving the Lord together. Uh, verse 3 says, In whom, that is Christ, are hid all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge. All that we need, in other words, is in Christ. Christ Jesus is a reservoir of all knowledge. A sign that hangs on a classroom bulletin board read like this. Next to knowing is knowing where to find it. Amen? That's a good saying. Next to knowing is knowing where to find out. That's what it said. Next to knowing is knowing where to find out. Now, as a child of God, we might know it, not know everything, uh, but you sure know where to find it. Amen? I have people come up to me all the time and say, Preacher, will you tell me what this verse means? Or, or they'll give me some question in life and they say would you answer this from the Bible for me I say I can't right now but if you'll give me time I'll find it because God's got the answer for you I don't care what it is now, the wisdom as God is right here between these two covers and so if you want to know something you get in the Bible and find it out and God will give it to you and as a child of God we might not know everything 
but we sure know where to find the question, the answers to what God wants to know. All of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ Jesus. And, you know, I was reading behind a famous old preacher, and I can't remember what, which one it was uh, years ago, and he said that every sermon of his was preached that he would read a portion of Scripture and head for the cross. Every portion of Scripture. I don't care what the subject. Every subject he, he preached on, that he would read a portion of Scripture on that subject and head for the cross. Did you know that's the answer to everything? Everything. Uh, the cross is the answer to it. Now, listen. One man was... Uh, verse 4 said, uh, Paul warns Christians to beware of enticing words. Now watch this. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Beguile means to victimize. Uh, enticing words are simple, just what it's saying is sweet talk. Sweet talk. I can't stand that stuff. You know what? Uh, that Joel Osteen out there in Texas, that's all he does is sweet talk to everybody. Oh, don't talk about hell. Man, lie, don't do that. You'll hurt somebody's feelings. Amen. You know, it's love everybody and all this kind of stuff. That's enticing words. Uh, that's victimized. That's beguiling. And it's enticing words of simple sweet talk. One man trying to show how much he knew was talking to a group of people one day about half an hour. A man walked up to the group and asked, what's he talking about? They answered, he hasn't said yet. <laughs> I like that, amen? That's using enticing words. Now that's philosophy. That's philosophy. And let me give you something. Christ is the answer to philosophy. Now philosophy is like the Pied Piper. He starts playing, and the uh, un unsuspecting starts following him. Instead of simply preaching and teaching Christ, it becomes more important to know how to preach rather than to know whom to preach. Did you know, if there's one thing I've learned in preaching and watching preachers and listening to preachers all my life, it, that there's two classes of preachers that I know of. There's those that want to say how much they know, and they want to preach on and tell about how to preach. And uh, in fact, I went to a, a school uh, uh, just for a few lessons on how to preach, how to be present yourself from the pulpit. And by the way, that's good. That's a good thing. It's good to learn how to be before people. Amen. But a lot of time was spent on how to present yourself. And how to preach, not who to preach. And what I want to say to you today is the main thing is not how to preach, but who you preach about and who you preach. And that's Christ Jesus. Not by enticing words, not by flowering it up and everything. Uh, the, the one uh, school that I went to or was studying behind said you need a, a passage of scripture, you need a poem, and you need a joke in your sermon. Now, I don't try to do that, but it's built in me, okay? But uh, at the same time, uh, maybe that's all right, but I did learn something that I know is true. 
Did you know that you only keep people's attention for 20 minutes? If you go over 20 minutes, you're wasting your time. So what you need to do, and, and here's the thing about it, you get as much into that 20 minutes as you can get because a person can only up contain, what is it, 7% of what they hear? Within my objective then should be to give you everything I can within that 20 minutes, and if you keep 7% of, of everything I've said, you've got more than two or three hours of preaching. Because after you go about 20, min- uh, 20 minutes, they shut you off. You know, they're looking for dinner. Amen. Or something else. Uh, I'm amazed how many people turn around and look at that clock. One of these days I'm going to take that thing down. But it gets me. I quit today right on 12. Accidentally. Verse 5. said, Beholding your order. Now, order is a military term. It means to stand shoulder to shoulder. Now, we're not to undermine each other. But as members of Christ's body... We're to stand shoulder to shoulder. Verse 5 says, And the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Steadfastness means a solid front immovable. It has the meaning of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. If you'll turn back there and I'll show you what I'm talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And look with me please in verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's, a, that's the same thing that Paul talked about here in the Colossians when he said, and the, steadf- and, uh, the steadfast of your faith in Christ. And it means to stand shoulder to shoulder. We're to be steadfast in Christ not led away by smooth talking or orators, and we're to be steadfast. Then we come to verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Did you know salvation is receiving the person Jesus Christ? Not a religion, not a philosophy. It's receiving the Lord Jesus. Look at it. As you have therefore received Christ the Lord, so walk ye in Him. So if you're saved by God's grace, the Bible says, walk you in Him. Now, walk you in Him, the Christian life after salvation is not one of always flying high on our experiences. It's a simple everyday walk with Christ. The hardest thing for me as a young Christian was to realize I was still in this old body. I still had the same old feelings. I, I wouldn't. Man, this is great to be saved every day of my life. Now, maybe you're one of those hyper Christians. It's great to be saved. Praise God, what a day we're having in the Lord today. And that don't happen, buddy. Every day the devil's on your tail, and every day the devil's after you, and every day you're gonna get discouraged and you're gonna get down, and the devil's gonna be after you every day. But at the end of the day, I still say I'm saved by God's grace. Amen. Amen. 
And that's what the Bible is talking about here. And many people today think that the Christian life is one of uh, overwhelming experiences, speaking in an unknown tongue, or seeing angels, or having visions, or seeing Christ face to face. Now, I got news for all of those. It ain't happening. It's just not going to happen. Anybody says they see an angel is a liar. Anybody that says they're speaking an unknown tongue is a liar. Anybody that says they've seen Christ face to face is a liar. Because this is God's Word right here. God's not going to come down and speak to you face to face. And angels are not going to come down and talk to you. And the unknown tongue in the Bible is not an unknown tongue that nobody knows what they're talking about. It's one that God says that all in the same room understood themselves. And so if you're looking for an experience... And somebody comes along with this philosophy and talking to you about it, having an experience. I had an experience. A man told me just the other day, I said, Sir, do you know you're going to have, oh, yes, I had a wonderful experience with the Lord. Well, that's good. Amen. I would like to have one every day of my life and every minute of my life. But that don't, that's not salvation. I never will forget a man from, from Assembly of God Church, a good friend of mine. We worked together. And uh, he's just a good man. He really was. He still is. Just a good man. But he kind of, one day he said, how did you, how'd the service go yesterday? I said, praise the Lord. And we had some saved and God was good to us that day. And I was bragging on the Lord a little bit. He said, I wish you'd have been in our church last night. I said, why is that? The preacher didn't even get a chance to preach. We had a, a Holy Ghost revival last night. I said, no, you didn't. If a preacher didn't preach, you didn't have a Holy Ghost revival. You mark that down, buddy. And and I believe that with all my soul. Preaching comes first. The Bible says that God honors preaching of the Word of God. He does not honor your experiences of running around the house and shouting and carrying on. He said, we praise God and, and give God the glory with our hands to the high the ceiling and praise God all afternoon. The preacher didn't even get a chance to preach. He said, we had a Holy Ghost revival. I said, no, you didn't. That's what the Bible is talking about here. And uh, verse 6, As ye have therefore received Christ the Lord, so walk you in Him. That means an everyday experience with the Lord. Just keep on going. I'm not looking for a light to shine or some great thing to happen to me every day. Hey, praise the Lord, I'm looking for it, but I might not get it. But I'm going to keep on going. I'm just going to keep on keeping on. For the Lord. That's what he's talking about. The Christian life is one of every day holding up before the Lord and the world, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's a walk, not a running. It's not a flying high. Look at verse 7. Rooted means like a tree. Now, watch chapter 2 and verse 7 for just a minute. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving there's a verse there's a verse in the bible in the book of psalms i believe it is that talks about the stump will show forth again by the water in other words if you cut down a tree by a stream of water and you leave a little bit of that stump showing after a little while here comes another shoot you know what he's talking about? We all get discouraged. We all get down. But praise God if we ain't dead. Amen. I know how it goes. Now by the smell of water, it'll rise again. 
And that's the truth. And so uh, we might get discouraged and we might get down, but brother, we're still alive in Christ Jesus. That means rooted, means like a tree. On salvation, is our salvation is a living thing. Build up means like a house. We have a strong foundation. Any house is no better than the foundation it's built upon. Now you think about that very strong for a minute. My salvation is built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, i got a strong foundation. And I'm not going to be moved. And it's, I have people all the time trying to tell me how to preach and what to preach and where to go and what to do in my Christianity. I don't need them. i got the tree right here. i got the root right here. And my tree is just going to keep on growing. Amen? Now, we draw our life from Him, who is our tree, and we build up in Him. Our faith rests upon Him. Paul adds in verse 7, and established in the faith. Then verse 8 said, beware. Now, that word beware there is like a stop sign, a no trespassing sign, a detour sign, a railroad sign. You know what it said? Stop, look, listen. Verse 8. Then verse 8 says, After addition to men. That's like the lady I talked to was a Catholic, and she was telling me how beautiful the Catholic religion is. And by the way, that's what it does. It appeals to the flesh. And they put all the statues and the lights and everything that's there and the gowns. And that's one of the reasons I ain't having a choir with gowns and I'm not about to come to pulpit with a gown on. And I never will forget Brother Roloff preaching on uh, the, uh, in the, uh, where the men went out and he, they had the, the pottage, the poison pottage. And uh, they sent the young preacher boys out to gather up some gourds in their lap. Let that sink in for just a minute. Brother Olaf said, no wonder they had poison in it. You don't send a bunch of sissies out to gather up your food. <laughs> they had a lap. A man don't have a lap. A man, a woman has a lap. And, and, and y'all get it directly. <laughs> but it said in verse 8, after the addition of men. Now, think about this. In verse 8 also says rudiments. That means that which is basic. Amen. Colossians is one of the greatest books just for Christianity. Just the fundamentals of Christianity. Everyday, normal, living Christianity. All the way through the book of uh, uh, Colossians. And it all teaches us the basics of our Christianity. How to live every day. Just every day. Just keep on going. And don't be judgmental of everybody and, and thinking different things about everybody. Uh, I, the, the one thing that helped me a great deal was when Dr. Curtis Hudson preached on the moat in your eye trying to talk, uh, the beam in your eye trying to pick out the moat in my eye. And he went around the whole service with a tube of four sticking out of his eye preaching. And I never will forget, that sunk down deep. God said, you got a two before in your eye and you're trying to get a little moat out of mine? Get the two before out of your eye first. Amen. And then you might be able to tell me something. Amen. Good preaching.
I don't care if I did say it. Stand with me, would you please? Heavenly Father, we love you tonight as best we know how. And I continue, and I hope I continue as long as I live. Teach me to love you more. Teach me to love your people more. Teach me to understand the church and how it's composed of every walk of life. And yet you said you love the church and gave you a life for it.